Hey guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Astros Baseball. On this episode, we're going to talk about the Astros' new GM, Billy Wa- Billy Wagner, almost making it to the Hall of Fame this year and more. But before we do that, let's bring him on. Tom, what's going on, buddy? Good evening, Rob. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a very good sports day in the sports world. We know who's playing in the Super Bowl. Two very good games, although a little controversial with the last one with some of the uh, officiating. Baseball's getting closer. The Hall of Fame stuff. There's a new head man in town. There's a, there's a lot to talk about. Let's go ahead and start with the Kansas City Philly. I mean, the Kansas City and Philly ending up in the Super Bowl. I picked Kansas City and the Bengals. And the Bengals couldn't get that out. And I thought they were going to overtime, and that guy pushed Mahomes out, gave him 15 free yards, and that that guy has to feel bad. But, I mean, I was like, what a what a bonehead play. So uh, I think the last name of the guy is Osai. He played for the University of Texas. And I really don't know what a defensive player is supposed to do anymore. I mean, the guy, if you watch the game – Mahomes takes one step out of bounds, then he gets a shove. It's not like, I think in the past, it used to be, you know, you had to have a couple steps. Now, quarterbacks are so athletic, it's so hard to stop chasing a guy once you're full bore 100 miles an hour and then not touch him. You know, he ended up hyperextending his leg, like trying to avoid him. So, you know, he risked the injury on himself. It didn't matter. He got, you know, the 15-yard penalty. And uh, that wasn't the only call that was very questionable throughout this game, but definitely the one that put the Kansas City Chiefs in a position to kick the game-winning field goal. So as if you're a Bengals fan, you are absolutely beyond frustrated because this was a game that a lot of people felt like they were in a position to win, uh, especially with the way Mahomes was limited. Yeah, it seemed like Kansas City gave them plenty of chances to win the game but they could not get it done. Let's start with this, buddy. I know we already started, so that's... uh, But the Astros got the new GM. The rumor going around was uh, Brad Ausmus. And then we saw Dana Brown's name come out as one of the potential candidates. And I was all for Dana Brown, and I didn't know anything about him, but I knew he wasn't Brad Ausmus. I, I just... Brad Ausmus rubs me wrong when he was the manager of the Angels, I don't see him connected to anything successful. And then when I read a little bit about Dana Brown, I'm very happy with the move. Well, the thing about Brad Osmus is he's well-respected within the organization. Uh, as, as a former catcher, you feel like those are the type of guys that end up being managers. And I believe he's an Ivy League uh, graduate. So he's definitely a smart guy. A lot of people feel that... Obviously, it's he has no experience, right? So that's that's the the hindrance. But neither did Jeff Bagwell. So I kind of understand the move when you think about guys that have been around the league, you know, have connections to different you know teams and organizations and stuff like that. Know people within the system, but it didn't inspire the confidence that I think Dana Brown will. When you talk about Dana Brown and you talk about where he came from and the level of success that each of his scouting departments, his drafts he's had in the past. Uh, it's it's hard to overlook. And I think this Astros team is in a prime position to be a 
competitor, a contender for a very long time for every World Series, so on and so forth. And this kind of a general manager only enhances that. Yeah, he was part of the reason that uh, Atlanta was able to lock up all their young guys. He's uh, analytic savvy, a great evaluator of talent is two things I read about him. Vice president of scouting with Atlanta the la- from 19 to uh, last year, played college ball with Craig Biggio. So he has a tie to the Astros in a way. And uh, I can't remember where it was that he applied for the general manager job before and he didn't get it. But he said he would have hired Dusty Baker, and now they they ended up working together. I think that's a great thing to have that sort of a chemistry kind of already, you know, or at least an admiration for each other's game. I'm sure Dusty is going to be him and Dusty will be fast friends, knowing that he's able to uh, scout and draft the kind of talent that he's able to draft. Uh, speaking of Craig Craig Biggio, when he was when he was with Toronto before he got to Atlanta. He drafted Craig Biggio's son, Kevin. So I think, and, and Kevin looks like a great ball player. I totally think like he's going to be a serviceable big leaguer. So I really look forward to what he's able to do as far as potentially extending some of the young guys, Christian Javier, Kyle Tucker, just to name a couple. And then I love the idea that this man is going to be able to draft some some great talent to go with the international talent that he's already seen like the pipeline just keeps plugging in guys highly touted highly ranked international prospects to go with his ability to scout out the uh, college baseball high school realm so on and so forth yeah speaking of uh the international prospects i just saw a new one a guy from cuba and he's he said he's going to choose between two teams and one of them was the astros so We'll see what happens. Uh, my very first favorite Houston Astros player, Billy Wagner. I really thought this year he was going to get into the Hall of Fame. I know you're not a, a fan the way the the Hall of Fame is voted for, but he got 68.1%. He's getting closer. No way he doesn't get in. And the only guy that got in was Scott Rowland. If you look at the people that's voting, you got some you know people that had decent careers, but are they Hall of Famers? And they're mixed in with the uh, steerwood guys, and none of those guys got in. Yeah, I, I'm old enough to be able to say that I saw Scott Rowland play, and uh, very talented guy. You know, one of the best at his position for a few years. So it's not like he didn't deserve it. I really just don't agree with the way they kind of gatekeep with the years. How they're, you know, what year a guy gets into the hall depends on the level of talent that he was. So they're literally keeping guys like Billy Wagner out of the hall because he's like a a year eight, year nine, year 10 guy where, Uh, you know, Jeter is year one undisputed. You know what I mean? And that's their way to kind of evaluate the talent. And I think it's just dumb at this point. He's either a hall of famer or he's not. It shouldn't take you 10 years to figure that out. So uh, I really hope they give that power to the, the hall of famers, uh, whether it be coaches, uh, players, managers, whatever, uh, executives, as opposed to these baseball writers that probably have a bias, probably have an ax to grind, probably has some bad blood somewhere. And that's why you get, you know, this weird, some guys get voted. Some guys don't even stay on the ballot. Lance Berkman, somebody that, you know, it's been talked about. How is Lance not, you know, considered for the hall of fame when his numbers 
very, very comparable to some guys that are in, some guys that are on the ballot still. So who knows? On the last episode, I had Kevin Minch on, who played eight years in Major League. And and I felt the same way. I got a message from Steve saying kind of the same way I felt. I, I kind of was interviewing him about his career. And then it, and towards the end, I asked him about the shift and all these and in baseball today. And it really got interesting. And so he agreed to come back on. And that's something I wanted to touch on you know, from a, a former baseball player's perspective about, you know, the the writers voting people in and not letting the players, former players or for, or a current Hall of Famer, somebody, I think they deserve to vote more than writers do because you said writers get beef with people sometimes. And I know they have some sort of committee. I can't remember exactly what it's called that they recently voted in, uh, Fred McGriff. And I think that's the Hall of Fame has their own, like an executive committee where like, okay, this guy didn't make it to the hall, but we think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't know the frequency that they vote on. I don't think it's to the level with the numbers. And why aren't those guys just running the whole thing, in my opinion? And the last thing I want to say about it, what you're pointing out about how many years, it, it's kind of, I never even thought about that until you brought that up, but it's, it's like, okay, we're going to vote for this guy, but he this is his level of Hall of Fameness, and that's kind of what they're doing. Because if he gets in eventually, they should have just put him in. Because he has – Billy Wagner has amazing numbers, and he compares to many Hall of Famers in there. And so does – you know, they were comparing uh, Scott Rowland to Keith Hernandez. Whenever somebody comes out or somebody gets voted in, all these people start bringing up, well, what about this guy? Look at his stats and – Stuff like that. But speaking of Will, uh, Billy Wagner, his son, Will Wagner, was invited to the big league camp and spring training. That's got to be pretty cool. He had a very good uh, Arizona Fall League. Yeah, he looks like a great prospect. It's kind of weird because he didn't follow in dad's footsteps. He, I believe he's an infielder where, you know, obviously dad was one of the great closers of the game. But uh, supposedly the guy can really hit. And, of course, you know how we feel about, you know, Astros hitters and their ability to get on base and drive and runs and stuff like that. I mean, we love the defense. We definitely love the, the all the well-rounded guys, but for a guy to come in and not strike out and get on base and, and do all the little things, I, I I think that's awesome. So the fact that he is, you know, of the, the Astros family, so to speak, because I, I believe that when Billy Wagner goes into the hall, it will be as an Astro. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. All right, the uh, I mean, the uh, Major League Baseball put a story out. I don't know if you saw this. It was the top 100 prospects, and then it kind of broke it down by team, and this is who you had. And a lot of people are surprised by this, and a lot of people don't really agree with how these people rate prospects because the Astros only have one, number 48, Hunter Brown. This guy, in our minds, is probably going to be a very good major league pitcher next year because he was already good last year and it's like okay if we have a bad farm club system if we have a bad farm system how do we keep plugging in these young kids if we're so bad I, I, it just doesn't match up our success doesn't match up with their ratings that's all i gotta say so what i think it really amounts to is is their their system their ranking system is probably more 
analytic based, right? Guy batted this guy, you know, struck out this much, whatever. When the Astros start grooming these guys to bring them up, I think a lot of the times they, they don't look great on paper and that's how they're able to get them. I don't think Luis Garcia was some highly tattered prospect. Framber wasn't some highly tattered prospect, but they took what they had. They worked off of what they had. They, they set a, a system for them to be successful. And now the proof is in the pudding. So I am almost glad that they're not over-evaluating the Astros farm system. You keep thinking those guys don't know what they're doing. You know what? <laughs> I know one thing. Every time that an Astros GM would call about to another team, I guarantee you they're going, why are they calling about this guy? Because there's probably something that we don't see that they see. And now they're like, well, we can't let them have them. That kind of thing. <laughs> That's true. All right. The Astros cleaned house in the Houston sports award. That'd be cool if we were famous enough to get invited to that and walk on the red carpet with these guys. But Jordan, Athlete of the Year. The Astros had the moment of the year by winning game six. Uh, Crane, the Executive of the Year. Dusty, Coach of the Year. Altuve, Sportsmanship Award. And Larry Durker got Lifetime Achievement. When you're in a city where the other two major franchises are struggling, you're going to take home some hardware, especially if you win the World Series. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's kind of tough to really call it a Houston sports awards, you know, banquet when every other team is rebuilding and that, that goes all the way to the dynamo. I mean, if we're being honest, maybe the dash should have probably won something. They've been pretty successful, but the other two franchises, the major franchises in the city are, you know, flat out starting from the bottom all over again. I imagine when the Astros were losing a hundred games, a season for three seasons, they weren't winning any hardware there either. I'm pretty positive about the Houston Texans future. It looks like they're going to get the coach they wanted. They got a, they got two top 12 draft picks. They might move up. I, I, they, I guess what I'm reading a lot is that they want Bryce Young and they should move up to get him. But I mean, the other guy, Stroud, is that his name? CJ Stroud. He looks talented as well. So, We'll see what happens with the Texans. I I see them getting better. I mean, they're not going to win the world. I mean, the Super Bowl or anything next year, but it, it's looking positive. And of course, we're going to be covering them next year. The one thing I'll say is that if if the rumors are true and and the coach that they are planning to hire is D'Amico Ryan's, this guy led the number one defense in a, in the NFL this past season. He had amazing talent. That that goes without saying, but the 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 amount of resources that he will have at his disposal to turn around that defense and make it very competitive, very fast is, is better than anywhere else in the NFL. He's going to have like you, you spoke about two top 12 draft picks. Uh, you were talking about them trading. I really don't think that's a, that's a thing. The number one overall pick has been traded four times in the history of the draft. Do I think the Texans are going to make it number five to move up one spot to ensure that they take a quarterback that the Chicago Bears do not need? No. If the Chicago Bears decide to trade that pick, there are two there are two perfectly good, serviceable quarterbacks that can be drafted, assuming whoever 
jumps up to get that number one pick takes Bryce Young. Now, everybody knows Bryce Young is the real deal. I mean, he won the Heisman, led Alabama to storybook success. But a lot of the times those guys don't always translate, or, mm-hmm. or at least not right away. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, obviously, with the 49ers being knocked out of the playoffs, now things can sort of ramp up with D'Amico Ryans to see if that is the head coach of the future. All signs kind of point that way, and then he can start building his coaching staff and then gear up for the draft. So if there was a huge list, and it said these are the quarterbacks that got picked first, and this is one side is successful and one side is is a what is it called a bomb or a dud? What are what are they called? A flop? <laughs> yeah, there you go. And there was another word I couldn't think of, and I thought about it, and I text you. We were trying to think about the throwback, right? It was throwback. Is mm-hmm. that the word I was trying to think of? And uh, yeah, but a lot of I mean, it doesn't matter if they win the Heisman. It doesn't matter how good they look in college. NFL is different. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a success. And uh, it's it's a privilege to pick a quarterback first because you get the first pick, but it's not like there's, you know, like a Peyton Manning or, you know, somebody like that out there. So I don't know. I think it's going to be hit or miss, but at least you have that chance to get somebody that's played in the SEC, which is as close to the NFL as you can get. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's really interesting because if you look at some of the quarterbacks across the league, there is no, there is no secret formula that says, okay, if I draft this guy here, he's supposed to be a star. Uh, The 49ers played today with their quarterback being the last pick of the NFL draft. And they, they call that mystery relevant. So he was almost destined to not have a job in the NFL. And he led the 49ers all the way to the NFC championship game. And if he doesn't get hurt, they probably have a chance in that game. Now, once he got hurt, they're really, really one-dimensional, and all they could do is really run the ball. But if you look at star-studded quarterbacks across the league, Patrick Mahomes was not a number one pick. You know, he was so picked they, towards the end of the first round. So I believe out of Texas Tech. Like, who knew that guy was going to be great? He's just a gunslinger, and he's he's really, really good. That was a good. That was a very good steal. Aaron Rodgers fell all the way to the end of the first round too, and that's. And MVP, it seems like every other year. So I think that what's really important is they build around them. It's one of those things where you build a team to use their strengths. Tua Tungavailoa was the number one pick by the Dolphins. And for a while, he looked like a bust. They got him some weapons, built an offense around him, and they were unstoppable for a chunk of the season. So it's really going to be critical that D'Amico, if he is the guy, does his part to make sure that he has all the tools around him. And and obviously the GM will have to do that as well. So that uh, whoever the quarterback they select will be able to get going sooner rather than later. You'd like for your rookie quarterback to get to sit behind a veteran for a year and learn. But when you pick them first, they don't have that chance. They got it. They get thrown into the fire. But like you said, if the Texans are able to build a good defense, that should help them out. You don't want a bad defense where you're just out, you know, they don't give you time to rest and get ready or they put you where you're one dimensional and throw a lot of passes. But anyway, this isn't football. My bad, my bad. <laughs> All right. So 
this isn't a segment, but I wrote, did you see? And then there's just some topics I'm going to bring up to you. They had the two Cy Young guys get their awards. Did you see that the word, I believe it was valuable? Is that what it is? It was misspelled. Yeah, yeah, they're missing an A. <laughs> and uh, at least they were consistent. Supposedly they did it on both awards for the NL and the AL, not just one of them. So yeah. uh, I don't know who was in charge of that, but that guy's probably looking for a new line of work. <laughs> All right, number uh, the second one here. Did you see... LeBron James throwing a tantrum. Yes, I did. But I will say that he had a legit beef. He, I mean, if you break it down, he absolutely got fouled. The one thing I saw today that I thought was really interesting because I did not watch the game and I had to like go back and, you know, somebody broke it down slow motion. He traveled on the play. Yeah, I saw and, that. And uh, he took like he literally left the three point line and never dribbled the ball again and got all the way to the cup. So, what do you want, LeBron? If you want it, if you want it, if you want the whistle blown correctly, it never gets to that point because they call the travel before you ever get fouled. I mean, it could be understandable that the guy got fouled, <clears throat> but you don't have to act like that. I mean, the guy's been in the league like twenty years; he's almost forty years old. No reason for him to act like that. Well, that's not true. Every athlete does that. Uh, Tom Brady gets out there and he's demonstrative to no end. No one questions it. So I don't have a problem with him being frustrated because they end up going to overtime. They end up losing the game and they're in a position where they have to win to try to get in the playoffs. Like the West is so strong and they're like at the bottom of it. So again, a lost game where they should win is probably a big deal. But uh, I know some people feel that, you know, LeBron's got no business. I understand he's he's only got so many years left, so he really can't afford to be wasting any more of them. There was someone from the Rockets. He was mic'd up, and he told LeBron that uh, in LeBron's rookie season that he played with his dad. That is the number two overall pick, Jabari Smith, for the Houston Rockets. Uh, yeah, it was pretty interesting because, I mean, I think he's only like 19 or something like that. And uh, LeBron's response was, Why'd you have to do that, man? You made me feel old out here. You know, why'd you have to tell me that? Like, <laughs> All right. So two of my, did you see, you already brought it up. So I didn't get, I, we're not going to talk about it, but tomorrow, and I'll probably, I'll probably release it on Tuesday. I don't know what day. I don't even know what day it is, Tom. I took Friday. Off. I, I left work early Thursday. I took Friday off and I'm off Monday. So I don't even know what day it is. I think it's Sunday and I'm off again tomorrow. But tomorrow, and I got another story to tell you. It's about a bouncy castle. So remind me. Our next episode is Luke Berryhill and his dad. His dad reached out to me and wanted to come on because not only did Luke get invited to Major League Baseball spring training, but he's been writing songs, and he went to Nashville. They drove to Nashville and recorded four new songs in the studio. So be fun to hear about their road trip and the experience in the studio and, and you know, mostly the spring training invite. So that should be pretty cool. Yeah, I really think that Luke is on the way up. 
Uh, right now, if you look, they did not, the Astros did not go out and get another backup catcher. So that means Corey Lee is probably going to start opening day on, on the big club. Maybe Yiner starts, starts on the big club, Yiner Diaz. So there will be, I, in my opinion, there will be an opening for a catcher in Sugarland with the Space Cowboys. And that would be the natural progression. I know you did really well in double A. So I really hope that this is like one more climb up the ladder for him. Yeah. The year before last, he was the minor league baseball player of the year for the Astros. And then last season he dealt with some injuries. I think he threw someone out at third and broke his finger and then something else happened, but pretty excited. I was pretty happy that they didn't take him in the rule five draft. And it's looking more and more like, he's going to be a space cowboy this year. And it's pretty good because he's an actual cowboy. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) And one more thing that I want to bring up is you've been listening to this. I don't know how many of you guys like the Houston Texans, but we are going to do our Houston Texans podcast. And it is going to be called the bullpen. Me and Tom threw back some names and I saw that listed like where the super fan sit and it just just a perfect name for it we already got the logo already got the twitter page ready to go and the special guest i don't know when the show's gonna be but i got her lined up um debbie the texan you wanted her you got it she <laughs> will be on episode one of the bullpen i've been following debbie for a while now she is an absolute awesome super fan loyal to the core you know where some people tend to be a little frustrated or whatever she is so positive so upbeat you see her everywhere the texans are she travels which i don't know how she does it because there are so many away games that i see her talking about she's at and she whatever she does she's always there they're always riding around so i think it's going to be so awesome to hear some of her stories get her insights on how the team's doing where it's going how she feels because we know she's excited. She has to be because this is, this is literally the start of something new for them. And I think she's the perfect guest to to bring on for the first episode. Yeah. She even said uh, in a tweet that she is ready to welcome back all the fans that left. So that's what I'm saying. I really see positive things coming from the Texans in the future. You had mentioned that they got some great draft picks and in the last few drafts. So, Should be a good one. But the only thing I have left on here, Tom, is your final thoughts. (laughs) Well, for today, I mean, I don't necessarily have anything crazy. I'm definitely looking forward to the World Baseball Classic. Uh, Not not really big on the Super Bowl now that, you know, the teams are kind of set. I don't have a huge love for the Eagles or the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Their fan bases can be a little annoying from time to time. So uh, I don't necessarily have a dog in that fight. I, I will watch, you know, there's there's all the gambling that can happen, all the things, see how long it takes for the national anthem to happen, that sort of thing. But I'm really just really pumped about this uh, this GM coming in. I really hope that this is something where he can get some of these contracts lined up. I'm really hoping that where we're talking – before spring training about an extension for Christian Javier or about an extension for Kyle Tucker. I think like 
if he can if he can do even a third of what he did while he was in Atlanta, then we're going to be in a great spot. And the last thing he said was like one of the the things that you know just stuck with me the most. And he was like, "I want to be greedy about winning." And I mean, you kind of always want that, but it's nice to hear it from your general manager. You know, you always feel like spend all the money, do all the things, trade all the players. But then at some point they're like, well, we got to remember, you know, the future, the future, the future. But if you're two steps ahead of everybody else, you can pretty much do what you want. Here's my final thought, Tom. It's about the bouncy castle. So my neighbors... I don't know where I was Friday, but I pulled up in the driveway and there's a truck with a trailer with bouncy castle pictures on it. And I'm like, oh no, these guys are going to have a party because my kids were here. My kids and my grandkids were all here. And uh, I I guess the newer houses, they don't make them very soundproof and you can pretty much hear what everybody's doing around the neighborhood. But I was like, all right, here we go. And so I heard him crank it up, and usually it sounds like a leaf blower, right? And this thing sounded—I don't—I don't know what how to describe it, but it was a lot lower and louder. If that makes it makes it if that sounds right. And they were running that thing on Friday till like ten thirty, and then Saturday they blew it back up all day. Loud music barbecue go ahead have fun i know it's one of your kids birthdays and you know so i guess they rented it for the weekend and maybe the party was saturday but that thing's been uh pushing air for three straight days and they've been playing loud music for three straight days but it's over now and come get that bouncy castle give me my peace and quiet the weekend's over i had a good weekend though with my kids my grandkids very very fun well, I'm sorry that uh, the parties was like at your doorstep. I feel like some people, you know, try to plan knowing that, you know, you got neighbors and stuff like that, but it's tough, you know, with the way houses are being built kind of on top of each other these days. If you don't want to spend a fortune going to these places like main event and incredible yeah. pizza, you got to figure out something around the house. And then, then you're always worried about your neighbors. So in conclusion, Tom, I did not have an issue with it. I'm just saying. <laughs> and then, like, you know, it gets like 1030. And you're like, are these guys going to turn this off? Because you can just hear it. It's not that loud. But, you know, you crank the TV up. You're fine. The radio, you can hear that. But have fun. I, I, I don't have any complaints. It's not as loud as the kid playing basketball in the backyard. I can tell you that. That's super loud. But anyway, that's all I have. So... Thanks for tuning in, guys. And for Tom, we will see you next time on Astros Baseball. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. 